0: of paranormal the new normal once again i am your host jeremy here trying to make the world seem a little more normal though these days that's impossible it seems my guest tonight though she lives in the world of the the, uh, unnormal like the rest of us and she deals with it on a daily basis almost i would imagine my guest is miranda young from ghost biker explorations and also Funny enough, is a business partner of one of my first guests, Chris Wagner, which I'm glad to have her on today to talk about everything she does. How are you doing tonight, Miranda?
1: I'm doing great, Jeremy. Thanks for having me on.
0: Oh, my pleasure. When you messaged me about what you're doing that you wanted to come on the show, I was like, oh, I would not pass up on that any day of the week. So yes, gladly, Mm -hmm. gladly. So first things first, same question I asked everybody at, at the beginning of the show what got you into the paranormal supernatural begin
1: with sure so for me you know i know a lot of investigators and stuff grew up in haunted houses and experienced things from young ages but for me i really kind of got into it from the storytelling aspect the folklore the local legends um, I spent a lot of time with my grandmother who she was, you know, she was 95 when she passed away and she, you know, she grew up in the Appalachian Mountains. And I spent a lot of time sitting on her porch, listening her to, listening to her tell stories about uh, her time growing up there, as well as uh, some of the local mountain hates and some of the different things that she experienced. She was very steeped in local legend and folklore. And, you know, she was she was one of those people that, you know, she could she could tell the weather based on the signs as well as, uh, you know, she knew when the first snowfall was going to come based on the first frost and that sort of thing. So she really instilled a lot of that. And that's really where I grew to love the paranormal. Um, I took it from that storytelling side. My dad, he used to spend a lot of time taking me back roads riding and um sharing stories about different areas of the community and how they used to be back, you know, whenever they were a thriving, bustling town. Now they're essentially just ghosts of the past and old buildings that are no longer standing. So he shared a lot of those stories with me. And then I found that, uh, I, I loved it so much that I just spent a lot of time in the library trying to read books and stories about different hauntings in different areas. And, of course, being a being a biker uh, and loving to travel, I, I really like looking at those stories from different areas and then going and seeing if I can figure out whether these local legends and stories have any uh, truth to them based on the paranormal research that we do.
0: Which... That right there just sounds beautiful. I mean, that's that's a dream right there. I mean, Appalachia to begin with is just so full of so many paranormal creatures, legends of them, so much folklore. It's just an amazing place that I actually can't wait to visit one day. I've driven past it kind of. I never actually got to explore it.
1: Yeah, there's there's a whole lot in the area. And, you know, and that's the beautiful thing about all the different regions of the of the country is that, you know, they've all got very similar stories of hauntings, but they're all unique to those areas. And so Appalachia, I mean, it's very old. It's a very traditional group of people and, you know, ones that, um, you know, depending on the, the mountain or the holler that you're in, the stories are a little bit different. And so there's, there's a lot of them and, and you could, you could spend a lifetime just researching some of the stories just in this particular area. Um, But that's, that's to me, that's why I love it so much because every area is different, whether you're up in new England or in the deep South or in Appalachia or even, you know, out in the Ozarks or out West, everything has a different story. And most of these small towns, it doesn't have to be a big commercial location. It can be, each of these small towns have got different stories about how they were developed and how they were created, and I love being able to share all of that on the show.
0: Yeah, I love. I mean, the history of small town America is always interesting. It always is, and and I mean, well, and yes, you yes, you named the Northeast, that's where I'm mm-hmm. that's where I'm located. So yeah, we got plenty of different folklore up here too. Oh yes, especially in the bridge, Bridgewater Triangle area, but which is where my wife is from and where the house that I met her in is uh located so I've had some creepy experiences over there but oh I'm sure yeah but so my second question I usually do we're gonna get into that anyway so I'm just gonna skip it for now because I know we're gonna hit it in a minute anyway so ghost biker explorations just so do you guys are you paranormal investigators that people like hire or contact to come investigate or
1: no, picture. it's just me. Um, I'm the ghost biker. And so, um, you know, I started out investigating with a team about 15 years ago and uh, really cut my teeth with this group of guys uh, on the team that I used to be a member of. We did a lot of residentials, we did a lot of commercial locations. Um, but I found that with my job and just, you know, just myself, I found that I was out always riding my motorcycle, going to different uh, locations, really doing on my own a lot more urbexing. And so, um, I would just take off on my motorcycle, go to these different locations that had some interesting stories, photograph them, put them on my social media. And people really started asking a lot of questions about those locations. And so I would I would put out there the stories behind them and, and uh, you know, why I was there. And so I really got to thinking, why don't I document this through video? And so my background is in marketing and design as well as uh, photography. And so I really sat down and created the brand uh, Ghostbiker Explorations. And it was really almost kind of a joke, you know, because a lot of the time I was riding my motorcycle to different investigations that I was doing with the team. And I was talking to a good friend and, um, you know, I said something about riding my motorcycle to one of the investigations we were going to. And I said, well, you know, just call me Ghost Biker. And, and uh, she was like, well, you know, I would watch that. So I really kind of started thinking about it and thought I'd go out a whole lot on my own. These locations have really gotten a lot of attention, and you know why not combine those two passions? And so, um, so of course, my marketing wheels were spinning, and I designed my logo, designed the way that I wanted the episodes to be, and essentially ended up putting them out as a season rather than just releasing an episode as I do it. So. I release uh, a season um, or an episode every Tuesday night during the month of October. We're now on our fifth season. And um, usually it's either just myself filming vlog style, or I have a a camera person with me that uh, will follow me when I film. Really just depends on the location. Uh, Every now and then I do collaborations. Um, You know, I met my business partner through The Paranormal when we went and uh, investigated Henry River Mill Village in North Carolina. So I highlighted that on an episode. And then uh, my friend Tiffany White, who's been a a seasoned investigator for, for many, many years, uh, she does a lot of the darker locations that I go to. And so, um, so essentially it's just myself and, uh, through ghost biker explorations, I've been able to partner with Harley Davidson and I do haunted motorcycle rides. Um, we also do them there from the jail. And then, uh, i also have my season as well as a weekly live stream that I do called shop talk live from the ghost biker garage, where I have different, different folks on, on the show and kind of break everything down, uh, with the locations I visit or with what these investigators, podcasters and such are, are doing out in the field.
0: Sounds really interesting. I'm going to have to check it out. I mean, I, it sounds, I like small town history. So like I said, so that's definitely something right in my alley, especially if there's a paranormal twist to it. Cause small Absolutely.
1: towns, are, small yeah. towns, a
0: little paranormal twist. You got to love.
1: Hello, yeah. Sean I was going to say, um, you know, for me, for the most part, I always tell people because You know, the commercial locations are great and. Mm You know, being a co-owner of one, obviously, I want people to uh, to come and, and check that out. But I always tell a lot of folks, especially being a biker, it's not necessarily about the destination, but more about you know about the the trip there or the ride. And I always tell people, if you take a map, close your eyes, and touch anywhere on that map, I guarantee that anywhere you touch, you're going to touch somewhere that's got some interesting story behind it. It may be a very small town. Um, you know, like in the first episode we highlighted the bleeding mausoleum in Cleveland, Tennessee and uh, this location it's it's very small. it's very well known in the area, but once you get outside of Cleveland, it's not very well known. And so um, you know, I always uh, you know highlight on the episode, I highlight the travel, I highlight the story as to why I'm there and then um, and then the paranormal investigation and I keep them between, 20 to 40 minutes just to keep everyone's attention and uh you know that's that's what i love doing about that because a lot of people you know highlighting these areas that a lot of people haven't heard of or you know that we try to encourage people to go and visit
0: yeah which that i mean cleveland tennessee i never even heard of that town when you, when you first started saying cleveland i was like oh my god she's gonna say Ohio next i'm like wait a minute what's this now tennessee but, yeah
1: cleveland tennessee
0: <laughs> which i never even heard of that but i mean it oh anywhere in tennessee is always beautiful but i've been through tennessee but so let me ask you this
1: okay
0: what is the creepiest town you ever done a story in like what was like have you ever done like Mm a silent hill type town or anything like that like a ghost an actual ghost town possibly
1: uh i've done several ghost towns um Probably, probably one of the most interesting was that of Henry River Mill Village that I mentioned there at the very beginning where I met Dr. Sumner. Um, You know, Henry River Mill Village is over in uh, Hickory or Hildebrand, North Carolina, and um, it's an old mill town. The, Mm. um, the, The mill is actually no longer standing. It was destroyed by fire. However, the general store is, is still there. There's about 13 houses that are still standing and, um, they're, they're continually working to fix these houses up, but it's a, it's a big property right there. And, and essentially whenever the mill was in operation, it was its own town and it was, um, you know, they had their own currency. They had, Mm -hmm. um, it was very self-contained, you know, had, uh, really anything that, that you could want within that little town. And that's a very common thing when it comes to uh, mill towns, as well as mining communities here in uh, the Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia area. Um, You know, I love doing those top locations because each of those little spots inside of the town has their own story and their own hauntings. So that was, um, it definitely wasn't the creepiest, but it was really interesting, and I, I believe I highlighted that one in in uh, season three, episode four. Um, but to answer your question, as far as creepiest areas, I gotta say probably. The strangest locations I've ever covered have probably been in Indiana, and one would have to be Revenant Acres, which uh, uh, was there in Charlottesville, Indiana, and then um, the Willow's Weep House, which is in Cayuga, Indiana. I'm not quite sure why, but it just seems like every location that I've done there in Indiana has kind of been a a little odd and um, a a little bit creepier than some of the others.
0: Yeah, I mean, well, Indiana is out there in the mid in the Midwest, like the middle of nowhere. So it's kind of yeah. I mean, things can exist can exist out there without being seen or being talked about a lot because people out there t- tend to keep to themselves. So
1: absolutely, and when you start looking at why would these locations be haunted? It's always been fascinated to me because, you know, Indiana itself, when I started doing research, uh, the first place I investigated out there was Revenant Acres. And I was fascinated by this story because it had such an extreme haunting and a darker haunting, but I didn't really know why. There was really no explanation as to why this house Had this haunting that it did, and uh, they had had several documented possessions out there. And it was said to not like women, and so thought, What a great place to uh, go on a girls' trip! So, me and my friend Tiffany, we loaded up and we went up to um, uh, Revenant Acres, had some very bizarre happenings there. And you know, come to find out, just looking at some of the history there in Indiana, um, the fact that you're right, these folks. They, uh, even though it was very flat, unlike here in East Tennessee, um, you know, people, they were kind of, they kind of kept to themselves. They were kind of... you know, off the, you know, off to themselves and, and when things happened, um, there were in the early days, uh, a lot of, um, you know, they depended on, on their, their, uh, crops and such to, to, uh, be, you know, to do well, to, to sustain them. And so it was not uncommon very, very, very early on for essentially deals to be made, um, you know, to, you know, to try to increase rain or increase weather to yield better crops. And so there was a lot of, uh, a lot of dark things that kind of went on early on because, you know, because of the nature of kind of making deals with the land and uh, with the darker side to, you know, try to get rain and and yield a better crop.
0: Yeah, that makes, that makes sense. And I mean, people didn't know better than the if you don't know who you're trying to, if you don't know who you're bargaining with, then you're going to end up bargaining with the wrong person. That's basically the bottom line. And we actually have a, we actually have a comment. Nando says that you need to come to the UK and do a few locations with them.
1: Yes. Yes. I love Nando and portal to the paranormal. Those folks are just some, some class act, great, great individuals, wonderful team. And uh, I hope to make it to the UK here. um, Hopefully maybe 2023 or 2024. And when I go, I definitely want to uh, do some investigating with uh, PTTP out there.
0: Yeah. I've, I've had some people from the UK in this show and, it's just the story. Uh, I mean, it's it's old history. That's the thing. Oh it's, yeah, oh, it's the old history. It's America's kind of. I mean, yes, there's old history in America too. If you go talk to Native Americans, there's very old history. But dealing with the hairy tribes. But yeah. So yeah. I mean, but but America is mostly from what we. But most people talk about America is more modern history. Almost it's like 400, 300 years, maybe five hundred if you're lucky. But yeah. So, I love that everywhere else in the world has like this old, thousands of years old history, and it's just so. Yeah. So, I've heard, I've heard some great experiences out of the UK from paranormal investigators. So, and I've seen a few on YouTube as well. They're interesting.
1: Yeah, amazing places to hit over there.
0: So, have you been all over the United States yet with Ghost Bike as a Ghost Biker, or have you still have places in the United States you're trying to get to?
1: Still got a lot of places that uh, that I'm trying to get to. for For me personally, I have traveled all over the U.S. Uh, there's only I think six states that I haven't been in yet, and that would be the extreme uh, west. Uh, definitely want to hit Washington, Oregon, and California. Um, but I have been all over. And as far as ghost biker, I haven't highlighted over for the most part right now being in the fifth season um, I've highlighted mostly here in the South in the Southeast, but, um, but yeah, hopefully be able to, and I, I mean, I have investigated all over as well. I just haven't highlighted them on the ghost biker series. I've been as far out West investigating as Colorado and uh, Colorado and New Mexico, but, uh, and then as far up North, I've investigated as far up North as uh, Massachusetts. So hoping to yeah hoping to extend some of that
0: where in massachusetts because that's where i live
1: yeah so uh so i was able to do the lizzie Borden house Uh, i did that Ah. yeah in 2019 um that was part of kind of a whirlwind trip uh came up investigated uh, at Fort Mifflin, and then also the Lizzie Borden House, and then um, as I was going back, stayed at the Farnsworth there in Gettysburg, and uh, headed on back down to Tennessee. Mm-hmm. So it was I was up there for the Lizzie Borden House. I've actually not highlighted it in an episode yet, but uh, it was a really good investigation, and I have it kind of uh, in the archives to highlight very soon. Just uh, haven't pulled out all that evidence at, yet.
0: Yeah, I feel ashamed of myself because I live in Massachusetts and yet i would never checked out the Lizzie Bourne house. Like, <laughs> I mean, I've been, I've been in the woods of Freetown Forest and other areas around the Bridgewater Triangle because that's where my now wife lived when mm-hmm. I met her. And, but mm-hmm. and I mean, and I mean, yeah, so I mean, I, I've done some investigating down there, like in the woods, like with my kids, like, but I always keep an eye out for, you know, our old friend Squatchy. see if I. Can oh, yeah.
1: Them. Oh yeah. A lot, a lot up in that area. I know I spent, um, I spent a week in Boston uh, back in 2018. And I tell you one of my favorite places when I was there to just spend time at was there at the Boston commons. And yes. uh, I loved it. Cause every morning I got up and I ran and then um, I would come back in the evenings and just hearing the stories because, you know, you're in this place that um, you know, it's, this, this big park and this big area, but then to actually kind of find out the darker history about it of the hangings that took place there and the bodies that was buried there in the park whenever they were doing the subway system. And they had to, you know, go through and remove these bodies. Just a very interesting history on this place that has a much lighter family-friendly feel, you know, and I was, I was really, found myself really fascinated by the commons when I was there.
0: Yeah, I've been to Boston. I actually well, until until I, until I recently got a manager position, I used to actually do work in Boston like once in a while, like merchandising. And so i I've been all over Boston multiple times, and I always enjoy spending the day there. It's just such a it's a nice town. I mean, there are some it parts is. you don't want to be. There's some parts you don't want to spend the day in, but there's a lot of parts you would. I mean, and I spent we've done time we've done like a long day in Salem before as well, and done yes, the, the witch tours and whatnot. It's it's all fun, like. And the, the history of Salem alone is just, oh the, my the whole, gosh. Witch, the witch trial history is just so rich. And supposedly you can see things if you're there overnight, like you could see there are certain things that get, like basically happen every other night or so.
1: Yeah. So. I was, I was there for a day trip that, that week that I was up there, it was, it was so much fun. I was up there over 4th of July week there in 2018. And I thought, what a great place to spend 4th of July there in Boston and uh, um, spent a lot of time. There in actual Boston proper, but then, um, you know, took a day trip down to Lizzie Borden, and then of course when I investigated it, I came back. It was a year later, came back and actually did the investigation, and then um, spent a day in Salem, spent a day in uh, Martha's Vineyard. Um, just that entire area was just so much fun because, again, you know, talk talking about old history in comparison to us down here in the South. That's definitely some much older history and when you start getting into the witch trials and stuff i mean just amazing the things that everybody doesn't really know about that place you know until you get in there and really start diving into the history and learning more about really what was going on there in salem
0: Yeah, i mean yeah and you said martha's vineyard too right yes uh, i mean martha's vineyard is gorgeous I we went there on uh we were staying in Cape Cod for a weekend with the kids and we went to Martha's Vineyard for a day took the ferry over but it's it's a it's a nice little we made the biggest mistake though we got off the we didn't know the island at all so we got off the ferry at the wrong side of the island Uh. and instead of getting on the free buses that take you to the main part of the island where all the attractions are we walked like five miles across the whole island with a with a three-year-old and a one-year-old Ooh. <laughs> yeah talk about rough exploration but right i ended up i ended up carrying the i forget if he was three or four actually yeah, he was three because that was when we first started dating but yeah i ended up carrying the three-year-old through the whole island basically because after a while his legs just couldn't go anymore i was like uh fine
1: <laughs> oh just, it, was a, it, it was
0: it was it was a bad start to a day but it got better towards the end of the day but <laughs> <100%. laughs>
1: you learned quick <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, and next time we go there, we now know go to the port, go to the port on the side where all the attractions are and where the Miracle round is and all that. So, yeah, <laughs> definitely. But some good restaurants there, that's for sure. The dinner made up for it. Some of the seafood restaurant, the seafood restaurant we went to was freaking amazing. But... Oh,
1: the seafood there in New England, I love it. It's, I mean, it's second to none there in that area. Um, love it.
0: So. Have you? You said you went to New Mexico. I, I meant to ask earlier. Mm-hmm. Did you go to Roswell?
1: I didn't. So I was actually in New Mexico speaking at the um, Los Cruz, the first annual Las Cruces Paracon. And so, unfortunately, it was kind of a quick trip. I was there, uh, I think, for three days. Spoke to, and um, I guess technically from the flight in and the flight out, I was there for four days. But mm-hmm. um, it was a two-day convention and uh, was right there in Las Cruces, got to go to the, um, the old Donna Anna courthouse and jail there, and uh, just walking through that jail, they're in the process, they, uh, they're in the process of converting it into a uh, a four-star hotel, I believe, but they are, um, uh, they're going through fixing it up, and uh, keeping some of the stuff as it is, but really changing a lot of it from this old jail and courthouse. And it's, it's pretty amazing because they're allowing paranormal invest investigations right now during the process. So we were able to go in there, but it was just a taste of, of what's in the area. And I wish I'd been able to go to Roswell while I was out there. Cause that's been one of those places I've always wanted to, to go and check out.
0: Yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah, I never been out West really at all, but roswell is definitely on my bucket list of places i want to go just because that's where it all started technically according to well in modern history at least yeah i mean if you want to go back ancient history you gotta go to egypt or you gotta go to uh where the aztecs were i forget the name of the country at the moment but i want to say peru but yeah i I think so
1: yeah no i mean you're you're exactly right we had a lot of people that because there's a lot of military bases right around in there. And so we got a lot of military folks that came to the convention and just stopped by the booth, was talking and, you know, listened to the presentations and talked to us and several people who had been to Roswell and they were sharing their stories of different things they had experienced. And then I was really amazed by the different things that some of the folks who were on some of the bases had experienced. And a couple of them actually talked about some of the different bases that they had uh, been at when they'd been stationed around the world. And just fascinating conversations from these these military folks that that were in the area and some different experiences that that um, I had never heard of before until until, you know, I was there in uh, New Mexico
0: yeah actually i believe i'm working on getting my my friends over at uh uh oh my god he's gonna kill me for for, for, my my friend uh aj he's trying to get me hooked up with someone there in their show who is the grandson of one of the people who found the roswell crash
1: oh okay
0: talking with the source yes name it the name of the podcast he does sorry aj (laughs) i screwed that up but but i mean yeah so i um if i can get him as a guest i'll be very excited because that's a conversation i definitely want to have absolutely have you done any cryptid investigations by chance like i i mean we all know the big guy sasquatch but any of this or any of the smaller ones even
1: Not not very much. Uh, I did do a little bit while I was at Octagon Hall in Franklin, Kentucky. Um, That's one of those locations that has it's kind of got the trifecta. They've got uh, UFO activity. They've also got cryptid activity and then they've got a lot of paranormal activity. Uh, my focus has primarily been on uh, on the paranormal, so I haven't really done a whole lot of cryptid research. However, I've had a lot of, of uh, people who do cryptid research on my show. That's really kind of caused me to to gain an interest in it because, again, when you start looking at all these different areas around the country, there's so many different areas that you can explore when it comes to cryptids. Just you know, just in the southeast itself.
0: Yeah, I mean it's.
1: Well,
0: if you want to, go well in the southeast alone, I would definitely be riding through the Everglades looking for some skunk ape. But
1: yes, yes. Go.
0: And and I mean, of course, you gotta you always gotta look for, you always gotta look for the gators because that's the best part about going to Florida. Is trying to see if you can find a gator.
1: Florida's <laughs> Which, and anacondas. Anacondas are bad down there now.
0: Are they? Oh yeah. Oh I, yeah, in the snakes Everglades. Are, <laughs> snakes are something. Snakes are something I avoid with a with a like. <laughs> harsh against snakes like uh, no i'm good
1: yeah they're they're huge down there it's it's crazy because several people who had them as pets ended up releasing them down there and then they just multiplied i think they actually have they actually have a season where you can go down there and hunt anacondas just to try to thin them out because they've gotten so rampant down in the everglades
0: yeah there's there's a show they did about that on peacock i forget what it's called but it's Uh, it's got the guy from the office on it, Craig something. And he like, it's about, it's about like Python hunting season. It's hilarious. I love it. But, and yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I watch it. I watch a show about professionals. So that's all they do is they take care of like snake problems down there. And Mm
1: -hmm. like,
0: I I hate snakes, but I still watch it on TV. I can't explain (laughs) that. But, but yeah, it's, it's, it's becoming a real issue down there. And, but I would say, I mean, if you want to go somewhere creepy for a ride, The land between the lakes up in Wisconsin. I just had on. I just had on DA Roberts a couple weeks ago. uh, The North American dog man. Yes, Patrol. NADP. I think it's patrol. I could be wrong. But like he's done some investigating in land between the lakes and is terrifying. Like for part of it, when you first get there, part of it, there's there's, you see roadkill. You see wild animals running around. You get to the second part of it. You see nothing. There's no roadkill. There's no animals. Like something is in those woods and that just, I mean, experienced hunters and fishers, fishermen will not go to that part of land between the lakes because they fear, they fear what's there. Wow. I mean, he said, he had a few experiences. I don't want to give too much away because I want people to listen to that episode when it releases in a couple weeks. But it's just, I mean, that's my, that's my personal favorite cryptid, Like That's my personal favorite cryptid. Mm -hmm. I'll
1: definitely have to add that to the list.
0: Yeah, because they've—I mean—they're like Sasquatch almost, because they've been around. Stories of them have been around since the beginning of time, basically. So, it's interesting, and also it's where werewolves supposedly we came from—the idea of werewolves. So, but any 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 ideas of wanting to go to Alaska, or Hawaii, and do some investigating?
1: Oh, I would love to do that, especially go to Alaska. I, you know, I've read. Uh, some of the different, you know, stories about the Alaskan Triangle and and just about some of the activity up there, you know, just just from like the gold rushes alone. Um, you know, I would love to hit the uh, the gold rush trail that starts there in, um, you know, the Oregon, Washington area and cuts up through Canada all the way up to Alaska and essentially follow that stopping at different landmarks and and doing investigating. I think that that would be, I mean, cause those guys, those guys were so tough and, uh, some of the different things that they experienced just trying to get out there and, you know, to, to change their way of life and, and exploring this area. I think Alaska would just be, be an amazing place to investigate. Hawaii would too. Cause I mean, there's a lot of different stories about that, but Alaska would definitely be a dream.
0: <laughs> yeah. Alaska's more of the creepy place that like, yeah. Like the last fringes of darkness still could be because it's just so unpopulated and so unexplored, even. I mean, absolutely. I know know small town monsters just went up there about six months ago to do like their newest big uh, fighting bigfoot documentary. But, but, I mean, Hawaii, uh, you know, Hawaii, you got all the old legends of like forest spirits and whatnot. So it's interesting. It's a lot of old god type stuff, which I, yeah. I mean, I'm 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 a huge mythology fan slash somewhat a buff, and I love like the old gods. Like I, to me, there's something to that. Whether mm-hmm. they're extraterrestrial in origin or they actually were old gods, like I don't know. I'm not a religious person, so I don't try to ponder on it too often. But sometimes I have to.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it, again, that, that goes with that totally different hauntings around the country, you know, cause uh, like you said that with Alaska, just the fact that you're in complete darkness for what, six months out of the year, uh, or not complete, but it's dark almost all day and all night, um, for, you know, six months. And then when you get up, because it is, it's, it's a totally unexplored area in some places, but then yeah hawaii i mean it's totally different in that instance i mean you it's almost like kind of getting into more of like like with our native american stuff you have more of the the tribes and the the old gods and and you know i think uh, like the polynesian people you know they they have their own stories and and uh legends and origins relating just to to their area so it would be a very unique place i can honestly say i don't know a whole lot about other than some of the different stories about the forest and the volcanoes and such i don't know as many of their local legends as uh, as i do in in other areas of the country but it'd be absolutely fascinating to get to go
0: yeah i mean i've heard a lot of stories about people who go to hawaii and they take like a piece of like a rock from like a volcano back with them and then It's like Robert the Doll. All of a sudden, they're cursed because they took it. So,
1: I'd believe that.
0: It's. I mean, there's a lot of, same as Robert the Doll. There's in the museum there. There's a lot of apology notes on hanging on the wall from people with, with, they sit back with the rocks. But, (laughs) like I straight prefer stories of people's houses burning down and stuff like that. Like getting violently, like like getting sick to the point of like cancer and everything because they took a rock from Mid Island and. I mean, you should always respect what's there and not take it. It's not your state. But I mean, I'm sure at the gift shop you can buy one. I'm, I'm sure they have ones there that they are, they deem safe to take. But
1: <laughs> probably. And then, of course, you've got different, you know, different relics and, and different stuff, you know, that uh, um, there's always stories that it's like if you take something along those lines that, that are essentially cursed. Um, I always find those fascinating that, uh, you know, those different stories like that from the area.
0: Oh, I mean, yeah, the whole the whole King Tut type story. Where like anybody who goes into the tomb and tries to take something is getting basically going to be killed eventually by something. Mm-hmm. I mean, we just did that on my other paranormal discussion show, Global Strangers. We just did an episode on curses as part of our oh. countdown to Halloween, and of course we'd bring up the King Tut one and a bunch of other ones. But it's it's a fun topic; it always is.
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: So, have you had any experiences like? actually like, like with spirits, with aliens, anything really?
1: Uh, I've had a lot with spirits um, just because, I mean, it's, it's what I go seeking out. Um, I can't really say I've had anything much when it comes to uh, aliens, UFOs, that sort of thing, but a lot with spirits. And I mean, a lot of that started from, from when I was a kid. Um, My elementary school was haunted and again, my, you know, one of the things that got me into it, my librarian, she was amazing at sharing stories and the story about the uh, murder that took place there at the high school between a uh, local deputy who was there. Uh, they were showing a movie there at the college or excuse me, at the, at the elementary school there in uh, 1927. And um, the local deputy, he had gone in to serve a warrant. They were showing a comedy He was actually drunk. He was there uh, serving a warrant on some moonshiners and um, he was drunk himself, ended up shooting the uh, local doctor that was there as well as his fellow deputy that was there on, on duty. And so, um, you know, they did after, after a while they did end up closing up the top of the high school there, or excuse me, the elementary school where they showed the movies and you could still see the bullet uh, holes there in the wall but they didn't have classes in there, and so that was one of those stories you could hear phantom laughing, you could hear what sounded like a phantom movie playing, as well as different shadow figures on that floor of the elementary school, Mm -hmm. and so um, all of that really kind of started from a young age with my fascination with it, and on some of these different locations that I've traveled to and investigated. I've seen shadow figures uh, captured some amazing disembodied voices with class a EVPs and uh, experienced some, some um, really interesting residual and intelligent hauntings throughout my travels at some of these different locations.
0: Well, let me ask you this then, because you mentioned shadow people. Mm -hmm. What do you, do you have any theories on what you think they are?
1: uh i I definitely think that that they are um spirits or entities um i think that different uh spirits that we make communication with i don't believe that shadow figures are evil or anything of that nature i know some people tend to believe that uh, that is a darker entity. Uh, from my experience, I don't believe that to be the case. I think that spirits can manifest their, themselves in many different ways. Some just take more energy than others. Um, I heard Mike Ricksecker uh, give a, a very, very interesting theory. He's done some extensive studies on shadow figures and um, you know his was essentially talking about your vibration level And that, uh, you know, sometimes people see things based on the vibration level that they're able to match. And so um, I really kind of that that theory made sense to me. But um, also one that that really kind of made sense was that, you know, when you're looking at something, sometimes you know, our eyes are not able to really comprehend completely what we're seeing as far as like seeing in different spectrums. And so um, I heard a theory one time that um, it was someone who had a loved one pass away. She had seen this vision and in her vision, there were these four shadow figures standing around her uh her mother's bed while she was getting ready to to pass away. And um they weren't, you know, when you hear that you tend to think, oh, there's these dark figures standing around. But actually um they were they were light figures. It's just the eye couldn't see all of the colors and see everything that was there. And it was seeing it as dark. So um I tend to think it's just a way of of manifesting as well as our inability to be able to see exactly what we're what we're experiencing mm-hmm. uh, or, or what we're truly experiencing
0: see i've had this theory for a long time that shadow people are basically like middle-aged spirits kind of like because i have a theory that when people die they become when if they, if they become spirits depending on what you believe in or what happens to them mm-hmm. then when they start off they're just like a fog, like almost like a mist, because they don't know how to shape themselves into anything corporal yet. But I believe that the next form they could take is a shadow person, because they're learning how to make themselves look human, but they can't do like a full body apparition yet because they're not—they don't know enough how to do that yet. I so, can
1: I can understand that. Yeah,
0: that's what's been my theory, kind of.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: I mean, I've also had—I had Lon Strickler, who's a paranormal investigator from Pennsylvania, on here, and. He says he he disagreed with me though because he says he worked with families who had shadow people in their house, and mm-hmm. that and that the, the shadow people will suck all the like they make they'll make they'll make a family fall apart like they suck all the energy out of the house like anything positive they take out of the house like they families parents will get divorced like kids will start acting up like it it'll take down a whole house if they're invested with shadow people.
1: I've, I've heard different people say negative things. Um, I I tend to disagree with that, that, um, you know, I don't believe that all shadow figures are, are dark or evil. I think that that's kind of a common misconception that people will have, that something that's dark is dark, evil. Um, You have to take it on a case by case basis. Now within those homes he investigated there, they may have had some very negative activity that caused um, the people to, uh you know, marriages to fall apart and things to sort of disintegrate before your eyes. But from experiences I've had and from different ones that uh, I've, you know, talked to different people that have experienced, it's, that's not always been the case, that it's just a form of manifestation. And that's the way that that particular entity or spirit has been able to manifest. And in some instances, it is, you know, it's, it's like when you start thinking about color and, you know, black is all color combined. So, um, you know, so there's just certain things based on the rods and cones in our eyes that we can't, we can't physically see on certain spectrums. Certain animals can see on, on uh, different spectrums. Um, You know, I mean, that's a scientifically proven fact. So to me, like I said, it, it makes sense that our mind is not able to fully comprehend some of the things that we see. And that's how we see them are our dark masses.
0: Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. And just like, just like Sasquatches and everything else out there, there's good. And there's bad. Like I've, I've heard of Sasquatches that will are, are just humane, like almost humane. Like they just, if they live in your property for 50 years and they will never bother you, they'll Mm -hmm. never try to come after you or throw things at you. They, as long as you leave them alone, they leave you alone. Yeah. But then again, there are the sasquatches who attack trucks and who uh, at- attack people because they just don't want anybody around them because they're, I don't know, angry humans or something. Or yeah, just their temper—that's just their temper.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's 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 like people. You know, if we believe exactly. if we believe that what we're dealing with were once human, um, you know, there's different. You know, we connect with different people. There's people we like talking to. You know, I think I feel like it's the same in the spirit world that just because a spirit doesn't communicate with me, it doesn't mean the location's not haunted. It doesn't mean that that's a mean spirit or whatever. They may just may just not want to connect with me. They may be having an off day or I may be having an off day with the energy that I bring into the location. Um, You know, the spirits that we have there at the jail, you know, we're dealing with, um, these pe these people who were not, uh, you know, some of them committed evil acts in their, in their human life. Some, um, you know, for whatever reason, you know, whether, um, they were in there because of something they did or, uh, self-defense or what have you, we're dealing with people who were in there for, not so good reasons. So some of the entities we're dealing with, they may not be the 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 nicest. Are they negative? No, uh, they're at the jail, but they may, I mean, it is a jail. And so um, so I think you kind of have to take everything on a case-by-case basis. And that's where I'm always fascinated when you look at people who study Sasquatch or study shadow people, and they really do these extensive studies and dive in deep. You know, I would be interested. We have a lot of shadow people at the jail. Um, We've caught several of them on camera. We've caught several of them on video. And it's, it's always interesting to me to find out what some of these other folks are experiencing whenever they see shadow people and deal with them. And you just kind of have to look at the type of haunting you have and everything that's going on and compare it to other places as well, because no two places are the same and it, it just really helps in the research to be able to do that.
0: And actually that's a, that's a good segue right there. Cause I was actually going to make sure we had enough time at the end here to talk about uh, Scott County jail. Cause I know you, you are, that's where you're based out of, is it not?
1: It is, it is. So uh, yeah, we opened the uh, historic Scott County jail in September of 2021. Um, my business partner who, um, who, is with uh, Soul Sisters Paranormal, we came together, we created a company, History Highways and Haunts, and uh, we opened up the jail as a true crime museum during the day and a paranormal research center in the evenings and during the night. And um, to date, we've had, I believe we've had just right at 75 paranormal investigators that uh, are there or that's come and investigated. And, um, you know, people... I mean, it's, it's an active, it's an active location.
0: So just for people who don't know, what's the history behind this prison?
1: Sure. So the jail was opened in 1904. It was in operation until 2008. And during that time, um, you know, the jail had a capacity to hold right about 50 inmates. We did have uh, issues with overcrowding over the years. And so with overcrowding comes, you know, violence in its own You know, issues with that. A lot of the early inmates were moonshiners. Um, And so we've had everything from stories about some of the uh, more famous moonshiners that have been in there. We did have a uh, sheriff who was killed right outside the front door. Um, He was a Baptist preacher. He was also, uh, took a very, very hard stance on the moonshining in the area. He was killed while he was bringing in a moonshiner. Uh, He had been warned his life could be in danger if he pursued the abolition of um, or the abolishment of Moonshine. And so um, he did it anyways. The Moonshiners made good on it. And to this day, that's actually still one of Scott County's unsolved murders. Um, This guy, he was six, eight. And, uh, you know, we do see a very, very tall shadow figure around certain areas of the jail that tends to respond to a lot of targeted questions when we're asking about Sheriff Ellis. Um, We also, down here, we also have um, something called uh, backwoods justice. And so we've had several different inmates, seven in particular who have been taken from the jail via mob mountain justice and uh, Mm -hmm. lynched or murdered within the within the property or um, the surrounding areas of the property. So some of those inmates, um, we have been able to make contact with some of those who were who were taken from the jail. And then um, you know those those are probably some of the most famous stories. But with inside the walls, we get a lot of uh, residual activity. Everything from doors slamming, some incredible footsteps that we do believe. Um, It's on the Jailer's Walk. We do believe that that is kind of a residual haunting from uh, past jailers and sheriffs who would patrol around the Jailer's Walk. And um, shadow figures, disembodied voices, um, we've got a lot of trigger items within those walls because we've got different artifacts as well as articles up there. And some of those are trigger items that uh, does trigger some specific activity. Um, you know, we've been able to actually validate a lot of what we've captured from ourselves and other investigators through different uh, historical research, which has actually been um, uh, really just amazing for me because we're able to go back and and uh, some different teams have gotten names that we've been able to go back and through our research, find and validate through history.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's Uh, I mean, that's, yeah, because, I mean, jails, I mean, are all the nation are known for being, like, haunted if they're closed, if if they've been closed, even if they're not closed down, they're still open, they're still, you'll hear from, you'll hear from the prisoners in there now. I'm guessing the mob justice down there is more like the despicable criminals, the ones who do horrible things that they just want to get rid of.
1: Uh, Not necessarily. I mean, for the most part, that does tend, that, that was the case. Um, in this particular instance, um, one of the cases in particular, Jerome Boyett and Harvey Winchester, um, they were in there for unrelated crimes. Jerome Boyett was, uh, 21 years old. Harvey Winchester was around 17. Uh, Harvey had been in jail for, uh, a few months longer than Jerome, but Jerome Boyett had actually killed, um, one of the neighboring sheriffs. Him and his brother were in a, uh, train car. And there had been a call that there was a a, a disturbance, disturbing the peace. And so we believe it was actually because of um, moonshine, a a moonshine feud. But um, because this had taken place in 1933. And so the sheriff, uh, Sheriff Winningham, George and Floyd Winningham, to be exact, they were dispersed to the scene. And uh, whenever they approached Jerome and his brother, there became a shootout. Depending on which family you're a member of, you know, depends on who shot first. But um, during that shootout, Jerome Boyett did end up, he said it was an accident, but that he killed Sheriff uh, George Winningham or Floyd Winningham and his son, George. And so he took off on the run. And while he was gone, a uh, posse, uh, the sheriff's family developed, created a posse. They went to Jerome Boyett's dad's house and asked him to give up Jerome he wouldn't give him up, and so they ended up hanging him. And so Jerome found out, and they really did a lot to try to get Jerome to not find out that his dad had been killed because they knew he would turn himself in, and if he turned himself in, he wouldn't get a trial, he wouldn't get his uh, you know due diligence. But um, he did turn himself in. He was in the jail. Uh, for eight days and he did share a cell with harvey winchester um, like i said harvey was a young guy he just happened to get drunk got a little unruly essentially was out kind of shooting at the moon one night and um uh sheriff and uh a, a, a guy that he had just deputized came to uh to arrest harvey Harvey ended up killing them so essentially both of these guys even though it was unrelated crimes they were essentially cop killers and so they were in the cell and um, on Jerome it's eighth day in there a mob of 25 people busted in and they took both him and Harvey Winchester out and uh, um, you know brutally executed them so regardless of you know what side of the fence you're on in what happened. um, You know, they were, they were taken out. One of the other guys, he was taken out. um, He had killed, uh, he had killed an individual. And then the guy's wife testified against him. Uh, He was acquitted and he ended up killing her. So he killed two people and he had been brought into the jail. And after, you know, after a certain period of time, a group of 50 people busted in. Took him out and hung him. So in some cases, they were some there were some pretty heinous crimes. Um, in others, you know, it really just depended who you talked to. But it was a pretty common thing in some of these uh, small rural county jails to have this. Uh, backwoods or mountain vigilante justice they just didn't feel like the court system was moving fast enough so they took it upon themselves and uh would get a group together and overtake the jailer and the jailer's family and come in take them out and and uh, string them up
0: yeah i mean it's it's that it's that old world justice kind of like that mm-hmm. that settler justice but it worked yeah but i don't want well you have a show to go do pretty soon i'm pretty i'm thinking right i do so i do so i don't want to keep you any longer so, so you see so i don't want to make go from one show to another like that so why don't you tell people where they can find your show where they can find you and sell yourself basically
1: absolutely so we are just wrapping up season five of ghost biker excuse me ghost biker explorations we uh, this season we highlighted all haunted jails, and so um, you can go back and watch all of those episodes as well as any of the past seasons on the Ghost Explorations Facebook page, Ghost Explorations YouTube channel, and also www.ghostbikerexplorations.com. And tonight uh, at 9 p.m. Eastern Time, we do what we call Behind the Screams, where we go in and talk about the past episode that was just released. Least. We still have one episode left of this season, the big season finale, which will be this coming Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. You can also check out what's going on at the Historic Scott County Jail on the Historic Scott County Jail Facebook page, YouTube channel, or the website at www.historic Well,
0: I thank you, and I thank you for coming on, Randa. It's been a very enlightening talk, very good, very good discussion so all my listeners know where they can find me be sure to check us out ne- check me out next time i believe i'll be back again on not monday because it's halloween and i if i record on halloween my wife will kill me but i'll be back i believe on tuesday or wednesday uh wednesday most likely i believe so i will see all my listeners then thank you very much for listening and thank you again Miranda, for coming on ghost ghost exploration people check it out it sounds very interesting i'm definitely going to be watching some of that on youtube later so
1: wonderful Thank you for having me.
0: My pleasure and have a good have a good night everybody.